much bigger than just the process of asking for something and being told yes or no. Hey everybody, Mike here. Thank you so much. Welcome to the Vox podcast. Vox, if you don't know, is Latin for voice. And uh, we think Jesus of Nazareth is God's voice to the world. Uh, But while we think that is true, we also think there's been a very unholy wedding between, I know, I just got a text message. Hold on. Let's see who it's from. Oh. Oh, my realtor. Oh, my realtor. No. Oh. Um, No, but Beth, Beth is just kind of a rock star. Kind of. Yeah. How about is? Yeah, I know. Well, that's very true. Now, uh, obviously, Kevin. You should do a shameless plug for her right now. Kevin number two is in the house, and um, uh, partially because I can't find anyone better, partially hurts. because I'm fascinated by the coffee industry. That's a lie. <laughs> and partially... <laughs> Say something nice. Well, this oh, is the opening. Okay. Um, I think you're, you're funny, and I think you ask great questions, and you force me to be practical. And... And I'm all you've got. And yeah, <laughs> and and you make me feel skinny. Now, um, wow. <laughs> we were just talking off offline about Kevin putting on some weight, and uh, <laughs> I was giving him I was giving him some tips. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm an I, expert. <laughs> I was saying I had a New Year's resolution this year to lose some weight, and so yeah. now I'm just proud of myself because the goal is now so much bigger. Yes. So when you accomplish it, there'll yes, be more, so more satisfying. Less time now and more to lose. Oh, come on, man. So Kevin is a friend. Um, he is a resident of Columbus, Ohio, in the same beautiful suburb We're of neighbors. Columbus, Ohio. Yep. And so, but we've known each other for years. So uh, it's fun to have somebody in the room. Um, so much feedback I've gotten is, yes, it's fine when I'm by myself talking in a room, but it's way more fun when uh, we either have somebody on Skype or Kevin uh, in studio. And so thrilled to have him with us. Uh, we've got a couple of really hard questions today. I'm trying to, I mean, again, I, I've said it before, we have this huge backlog uh, of questions. And, um, and and part of the reason for that is some of these are so heartbreaking. I just don't even know how to answer them. The, you certainly, it's way too long for email. But then when you get to talking about the stuff that's brought up, you're like, I, I don't know. So these are a couple of the I don't know sort of categories. And even though we don't know, that won't stop us from having opinions. So, so this is uh, a question about uh, prayer, which on the one hand, is very a very simple concept. It's talking to God about what we're doing together. But on the other hand, uh, there is it is shrouded in weirdness. You know, even the way even how Jesus talks about it sometimes is is just odd. Uh, de- some demons can only come out by fasting and prayer. And if you have faith enough to move this mountain, you'll just talk to the mountain; it'll move and be thrown into the ocean. And you're just like, okay, so I'm not sure how this works. So uh, this is uh, from a friend of our show. He says, I've been a follower of Christ for most of my life, 15 years in vocational ministry. So he worked for some sort of Christian organization. And I still serve at my local church on a semi-weekly basis. All right. So, wow. He he even does it when he's not getting paid. Is so, that right? Is this my question? No. <laughs> no. Story of my life. Right Seriously. Here. I've gone through a few years of deconstruction, reconstruction as a result of said church involvement but felt like I had a decent handle on my newly revamped faith. A couple of months ago, 
My mom passed away after a two-week battle, oh my Lord, with a freak case of of sepsis. My parents have been missionary pastors for 30 plus years and the most faithful folks you could ever imagine, living donation check by donation check and raising our family in that faithfulness for 25 years. The week, so, oh my goodness, so she dies literally two weeks after this is discovered. The week after her memorial service, my dad was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. Holy crap. As you can imagine, I'm reeling from all this. I'm glad, or excuse me, in my head and heart, I know that we live in a fallen world and sickness is a result of that fall. No matter how faithful and how, quote, righteous my parents were, there are no exceptions to that fact. I get that. Here's my current battle, though, amidst all this. We literally had thousands of people praying for my mom, and thousands more will be praying for my dad as he fights this. But even as a (coughs) reconstructed believer, I don't get it anymore. What the heck is prayer for? I thought I knew, but this has me in a tailspin. Are we changing the mind or heart of God? Is it just for audience participation so that we claim we helped? The process along, does it actually do anything besides make people feel useful or warm and fuzzy until the bad stuff hits again? Is it just to strengthen us because that seems like a twisted scam? I feel like I've worked through some of the anger, pain, and disappointment with my mom's death, and I'm starting to do the same with dad's diagnosis. Even though I continue to serve in church and wrestle my relationship with Christ daily, this one thing has me more confused than ever. Can you point me towards some wisdom or guidance on what the heck prayer is supposed to be about? Because even as a Christ follower who knows that Christ prayed to the Father, right now this whole thing feels like bunk to me. All right, Kevin, go ahead. What? Yeah, wow. <laughs> no, I think this is, I was telling Mike right before we started recording, that, that, talking with a friend yesterday, and this was one of the conversations because it's uh there's on one side, there's the big prayers. Like my mom is not doing well. My dad might die from cancer, all those sorts of things. And you pray and then they don't seem to be answered. On the other hand, there's all these seemingly little prayers that we pray that sometimes it's like, does God even like, why am I wasting God's time? Right. Like, uh, what should I do today? Or, you yeah. know, um, you know, I'm in sales. Oh, help me be a great salesman today. <laughs> that sort of thing just sounds stupid. So it's like, what <laughs> in between, uh, where is God in it? Oh my goodness. Prayer? But I just had last week, um, you know, great friend, uh, a man who we all looked up to in the community passed away from stage four cancer. And it's like, why, you know, like yeah. everybody, the whole world's praying. Young for guy. Him. Yeah. He was uh, 40 years old. Yeah. Um, pillar and it, i mean literally, literally probably the best christian i know in columbus I well, hold mean, on living out before i moved here uh, no no still <laughs> <laughs> but it's like the whole world's praying for him he's got three young kids oh. unbelievable ministry living yep. amongst poverty and uh boom gone yeah and you're like okay why why yeah why do we waste our time praying you know totally. i don't know totally oh my goodness this so is I think this is a great question this is a great question amazing topic and um man i totally agree and and my friend i am so very sorry um i i i watched my dad battle cancer and lose watched my stepfather fall downstairs and break his neck uh my father-in-law battled cancer i mean so i'm i i am with you in the sense of um uh, the I know how disorienting uh, some of this is, and so I'm just I'm so sorry. I really am. Um, in terms of trying to address some of your questions, 
I don't think there are there are answers that we can give um, in terms of uh, definitive. I think there are clues in the scriptures that may help us along the way, but often those clues just raise more questions <laughs> the minute you you start talking about them. So, so let's explore a little bit about a theology of prayer and see if we can't note some things. Now, again, I don't prep these, uh, so I, I hit these fresh. So it's not like I had, you know, I'm reading notes on my theology of prayer or something. So this will come out probably a bit rambly, which is why Kevin's here, because Kevin will keep forcing me to be like, okay, okay, okay. Um, but But a couple of thoughts. First of all, and the biggest thought that has helped me in the journey has been to uh, uh, has been to keep reminding myself what kind of relationship God wants with God's creation, um, God's image bearers, and um, and so you you I know that sounds horribly generic and cliche, but th- what I'm trying to get at is that in the opening chapters of the Bible, God does this really weird thing, and not just in the opening chapters, of course. But God um, delegates almost some of his sovereignty, some of his governance, some of his leadership over the earth to these image bearers, these dust, these these specks of love dust that have the breath of his spirit now living in them. And he gives them authority. He he gives the he commissions them. Um, to bless and and to be fruitful, but that he gives them he gives them a commission to do things in this world. So he uses words like rule and subdue um, and uh, and rule over. And again, those aren't words that talk about strip mining and polluting and and dominating creation, but those are words that that have a worship aspect to them that also mean. Um, take creation and do something with it so that it becomes a blessed, so it itself is blessed and it becomes a reflection of God's goodness and God's intelligence and God's benevolence. And so they were to lead in creation uh, the way that God had led. And so they become imitators of God, right? They work for six days because God created. They rest on the seventh day because God rested. They become they become in small, independent ways. They 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 create life in the same way God created life, right? Through childbearing. So it's this it's this incredible picture that I don't think we appreciate that God was looking for participants in His work on the earth. Right? So he had given, he'd made image bearers, and he'd given them authority, he'd given them power, he'd given them responsibility. And very early in the Christian story, of course, that responsibility is usurped when they decide to listen to creation. Instead of govern creation, they submit themselves to creation instead of to their creator, and everything gets flipped around in something that, that in Christian theology is called the fall, where, where human beings were once at great heights, and now we find ourselves with, with dark and evil inclinations, and our governance over each other and our rulership over the earth has now been terribly polluted. Um, by self-interest and and all sorts of you know twisted darkness makes sense so far. Okay, so if that's what God is after, God is after participants in His work, and now those participants are fallen. What is it that once somebody is rescued from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? What is it now that God does to begin to make them trustworthy again with His power? Right now, to some degree, even in our to- totally fallen state, we have some 
some bit of power to make things happen or not happen in the world. But now as kingdom people, we enter into this really interesting relationship with God who now designs, who who has designs now to renew us and to transform us. So how does God do that? Now, I know this is a really long answer, but I want to suggest that prayer is one of, of several ways that God uses to form us into being partners that are trusted with his power. And, um, and, and part of the reason I think this uh, is because of how Jesus teaches his disciples to pray and, how, and what he teaches them about prayer in doing the work of the kingdom. But I also think it, it, it goes back to what our vocation looks like it will be in the closing chapters of Revelation when we are again restored to the place of reigning and co-ruling with God over the created world. One of the things that's very, very interesting that Dallas Willard brings up, and I don't know if this is true. I mean, this part's true, but where he takes it, I don't know. But it's it's been fascinating to me, is that um, the kingdom, power in the kingdom works through words. So when, you know, so, so how does God create light? He speaks, let there be light. How does Jesus still a storm? He rebukes the storm. He commands demons to leave. He, he, issues commands for healing, right? He speaks and those words have power. And so the idea is in our fallen state, our words are twisted. Our words are ugly. I mean, James even addresses this. How can, how can out of the same heart come blessings and cursings, right? I mean, that like words have incredible power in the scriptures. And so one thought about prayer and worship that Dallas brings up is, listen, those are ways in which we learn to be trustworthy with words. We prayer is the as the act of partnering with God in learning to desire the things that God desires for the world and being trustworthy with the power that God gives in response. So that so so the idea is far bigger than God's job is to answer to the prayers that I pray. Now, this makes sense in the following respect. If you take the analogy, are you following me, Kevin? Yes. Okay. Especially if, when you said Dallas Willard. Yeah, again, the the we there's Matthew, the, Mark, yeah. Luke, John, and Dallas. Like the like a little button that just uh, <laughs> a sound ding, effect. Ding, 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 ding. Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> we love you, Dallas. Rest in peace. Yes. Oh, he is. Absolutely. Oh, he's. If if all this turns out to be true, there was quite the party for Mr. Willard upon arrival. Oh, absolutely. Um, John Orberg for communicating to guys like me. <laughs> yes, yes. Mr. John Orberg is a pastor in California who has made a career out of taking Dallas Willard's complex thoughts and simplifying them down for the rest of us, which is a, a beautiful, well, a no, beautiful. You thing. hang with Dallas, I hang with John. That's all right. So, I held yeah, Dallas's that's hand why once. We make a good pair. That's true. It's like dumb and dumber. Not know, only, not kidding. only are we a pair, uh, P A I R, but we're both pear shaped, which. <laughs> So I don't know. You're putting horrible images and all of these. I know, I know. But now I, 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 but I was on a good roll for a second there. Okay, so, oh dang it, where was I? It was something about okay, partnership, being trustworthy with words. So Willard, Willard, you know, his argument was we'll actually speak with the same power that that uh, in a in a smaller way uh, that God has. So when you know Jesus curses the fig tree or when he you know, commands things to happen and they happen. Like that's, that's the kingdom. The kingdom works 
in words. And so what worship and prayer are, are us practicing aligning ourselves with the words and the will of what God is like. Now, wait, can I, can I, so if I speak and we're, we're talking like spirits in me, right? my words are, you just said almost as powerful. And I don't know the, the difference there when God speaks. No, I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about okay. he's so so Willard looks at Revelation 21 and 22 and says, listen, our vocation in the garden and our vocation in at the end of the story, they're the same vocation. I see. So we're Just ruling and we're reigning with God. Okay. And so so he calls the spiritual disciplines training for reigning, which, you know, there you go. It's memorable. And that's after he comes back or death or yeah, but we're training now. Right. And and there are some of us. So 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 James will say the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There there are some of us because for me, for me uh, the thing we don't recognize when it comes to prayer, and, and and we're circling around to the you know the answer uh, at least a couple of clues to your question. Um, but when it comes to when it comes to prayer, uh, typically what's true of me is my heart is separate from my desire. In other words, um, I desire something, um, but my heart really desires something else. So I desire uh, to be pure and righteous, but I also desire to be whatever, you know, successful or prideful or, you know what I mean? So there's this dichotomy in us between the good that I desire and the reality that my desires are still twisted towards uh, things that aren't the best or aligned with the kingdom. And so part of what prayer does is it begins to align the, 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 the whole of us around. And this makes sense. Ah, I remember what I was thinking. Because this is how we raise children. Um, it, it, because the parenting metaphor is so used throughout the scripture, think about the power of requesting in the life of a child. Right? When the, when the child first begins the journey, all they can't even, they can't even say words. All they can do are utter. Um, utter, utter things of like discontent or upsetness, right? They, they cry this way and you learn as a parent to like discern between their cries. Oh, that's a dirty diaper cry. Oh, that's an, I'm hungry cry. Oh, that's an, I'm sick cry, right? You learn to distinguish between those cries. After a while, they begin to learn language. And one of the things that, that we teach our kids is it uh, is to stop doing things in the world and to start use to to begin to use their words. So with Seth, Seth is nine. Um, he has Down syndrome, if you don't know, and he's he's delayed in in many areas, except in restaurant choices, which we talked about last time. But Seth, our biggest thing with Seth is don't just take something, ask for it, right? Don't. Like he, he, he can get very bossy, like, you know, daddy down, he wants the window down. And, and what are we constantly saying? Um, son, what do you say? Please. Please. What do you say? Thank you. What, what are we doing there? Is that just empty? Are we forcing him, uh, to just do empty, meaningless repetition? Or are, are we fighting the battle with his words to do something bigger? to bring him into a certain kind of relationship with us as his parents, where on the one hand, he will be increasingly independent from uh, our sovereignty, right? And and so he'll ask us to do something. We're looking at him like, well, dude, that's, that's on you. But on the other hand, what he's learning to do is to trust us, find his place 
with us, even when we say no, correct? Correct. So, so the, 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 the way in which the parent-child relationship functions is very similar to how I think God trains us up in the concept of praying as it relates to participating in power in his kingdom. Right, so the, when when we start with Christ, all, we just utter our the spirit groans. Right, we don't know how to pray. We don't know what prayers for. We just think it's a to do list. We ask God to bless our agenda. Right, we're just in the infant stage of this whole thing. But then we learn our words. We learn to use our words instead of just going after this thing that I want because I want it, just like my toddler would do. Right, I learn to ask and I learn to wait and I learn to depend and I learn to trust. And those are the hardest lessons, but how else could you learn them, right? There's no other way to learn these things than through the process of requesting, right? Surrendering yourself to someone else's will. So prayer, so I know this is like a 20-minute thing so far, but prayer is much bigger than just the process of asking for something and being told yes or no. It is the means by which we forge a certain kind of relationship, what's called a covenant relationship with God. It's this relationship we have with our parents if our parents are healthy, right? That we learn trust, we learn dependence, but we also learn independence, that we have power ourselves. And you're teaching your kids, this is so important, you're teaching your kids when to exercise their power and in what circumstances and when to ask for yours to be involved, right? Right. So, hey, don't hit that kid, Mm -hmm. go tell an adult, right? Um, Your power there isn't appropriate. What's appropriate are your words. Right, because you have you know, our toddlers. You know, Seth at nine, he has power. He can make decisions. He can make things happen in the world. But we're trying to teach him how to use it, when to use it, and what cases is it appropriate. And on the other hand, we're trying to teach him that he can trust us because we have more power. Right. Does that make sense so makes far? Makes sense so far. Okay, so far. So far. <sighs> but see, that's to me that reframes some of this stuff. Right. Which so. <clears throat> what you're describing, I think anybody who, most people who've been in a relationship with, with Jesus, this person growing up in a missionary family, being taught what it looks like to communicate with God, the parent-child uh, analogy all makes sense. Absolutely. I I'm okay. on board. I don't think it does for a lot no, of no, Christian no, people. No, no, I'm saying, I'm, okay, so I think it probably does for him. What I, what I, what I, my question, or maybe what, what I think that doesn't make sense is, okay, so... Father, son, if your son, Nate, has a best friend who is dying, yeah. and you had the power to fix it yes. as his father, yes. why do you seemingly not if Nate asks you to do it in this hypothetical kind of this analogy that you're working out? Yes. Like that's, I think, what his question is. Yes, I get all that, but why with some of the seemingly am, am I getting big there? things? Am I getting no, just, there? I just wanted to just... Just make make sure it practical. You, were getting there because, <laughs> um, you took 20 minutes. Hey. To tell I, us how to communicate with God, which was awesome. No. But I think the big question is, is the big stuff. Like, why, why would you not help your son with something seemingly so yeah. close to his heart? Yes. No. So let's go through his. So, so I was trying to answer the first question what the heck is prayer for? And you did a great job. Of 20 minutes. Thank you yes. for pointing that out. No, absolutely. Like, I totally get it. Are we changing the mind or heart of God? Now, this is an interesting question. Which I is what the the one I just posed to you. Yeah, yes, he said it a lot better. 
<laughs> I was going along with your analogy, trying to communicate in your language. So oh, that, what would Orkberg say right now? Um, so no, and then I've totally changed on this. I have totally changed on this. So where you at? I'm at, <coughs> excuse me, that like the idea of changing your mind um, isn't the best way to say that, but yes, <laughs> like prayer does things in the world that wouldn't have been done otherwise okay. and restricts things that would have been done otherwise. You cannot, if you take the scriptures at all seriously, you have to reckon with the idea. I mean, the James says, you have not because you ask not. Like, like built into the fabric of the universe um, is the idea of request. You know, that we are asking God to do this or to not do this, to 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 be here or to not be here, to uh, to whatever. So, so it's super, super important to understand that I think Scripture teaches that God, part of our sovereignty is that prayer affects things in the world. Absolutely. Now, I wouldn't say he changes his mind because that kind of has the connotation that there's this piece of information that God didn't know, but now he knows and he's like, okay, you're right. You know that no, not that. That's not what I mean by changing his mind. I just mean when James says you have not because you ask not, that that he is saying to the people he's writing to, there are things that God is willing to do, but won't do until you ask. Okay, now that that plays out in the nature of relationship, correct? So far, correct. Okay, now, so prayer, prayer is. So what's prayer for? Prayer is for our participation in the work of God and learning to be trustworthy with his power. Okay. Do we change the harder mind of God? Well, yes and no. No, if it means uh, God didn't know something that now he knows. Uh, but yes, if you mean, does prayer work? Like does prayer do, are there things that wouldn't happen unless people prayed? Yes, absolutely. That seems to be the teaching of scripture. All right. Now, um, does it do anything besides make people feel useful or warm or fuzzy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, it, of course it makes people feel warm and fuzzy and helpful and useful, right? I'll pray for you. I mean, it's a way of standing with somebody and, and, and or a way of lamenting with somebody. Um, but no, I think it actually does stuff in the real world. I, ab- I absolutely do. And it seems that um, it seems that Jesus taught this like as clearly as can be. Uh, is it just to strengthen us? That's part of it. Yes, but that's not all of it because it seems like such a twisted scam. I feel like I've worked through some of the anger, pain, disappointment, with my mom's death, starting to do the same with dad's diagnosis, even though <laughs> can you serve in church? This one thing has me more <coughs> confused than ever. So if the answer is, or if the, if the deepest question is, hey, why didn't God answer this prayer? I mean, the only answer I can give is I haven't the foggiest idea. I, I couldn't tell you. I have no clue. What some people will say is, well, you didn't have enough faith, which I think is a horrible answer, or you didn't believe enough, or, you know, God's perfect plan is to have your mom die of sepsis. You know, this was just God's plan. I think all of those answers suck. And we've done podcasts, you know, a hundred of hundred episodes ago on a whole series of why those answers suck. So if you want to listen to those, but I think the only right answer, the only biblical answer here is I don't know. I have no idea. 
Prayer, on the one hand, is this really simple concept, but on the other hand, is also shrouded in all sorts of mystery. For instance, you have a story in the book of Daniel where Daniel sees a vision and he prays to God for the interpretation. And and God had done this before for him. He'd given him like insight into these visions or dreams or whatever. And for three weeks, Daniel doesn't hear anything. And he's he's starting to get frustrated. And, and then, um, and then an angel shows up and says, Hey, sorry, man, I was, I had to fight with this spirit that oversees this region in order to get the answer through to you. And, And not only me, I had to fight, I had to call in like an archangel to help. And you're like, is that myth? Is that, is there a moral lesson here? Is that, did that really happen? I mean, imagine a world that is so full of spiritual warfare that that actually is what is going on in the background. Well, it would make sense then that prayer is shrouded in mystery, right? Because I have no idea how it works, right? I mean, if angels are answering prayers, do they have to get creative? I mean, are some... Better. I mean, who knows? I have no idea. Or when Jesus says some can only come up by prayer uh, and fasting, what's that mean? Right? So what if I prayed but didn't fast? Or what if I fasted but didn't pray? I mean, is it the combo? I mean, what, what's he talking about there? I mean, we have no clue. You have the whole book of Job written to dismantle any formula, right? Because my friend here says, my parents were amazing. They were missionaries. They were faithful. They gave everything to God. And really, this is what's going to happen? Really? So underneath that is, is something that we all know, um, but we really don't believe until it hits us. <laughs> but it, it's the idea that, okay, yeah, in our head, we know that righteous people can suffer and wicked people can prosper. But man, when it happens, there's just this extra sting to it. It's not just that they're suffering and that the mom has died. It's that they were, these are keepers. It's like your friend, right? These are people who you'd think God would want around on the earth. Like less terrorists and more of these people. Seems like it would help. Absolutely. Right? So so the only answer I can give is I haven't the foggiest idea. Prayer seems shrouded in mystery about how God's will. I think Jesus clearly teaches that there are other wills at work in the world. There are fallen, uh, there are principalities and powers, there are fallen spirits, there are fallen structures. So our DNA is degraded, uh, there are birth defects. I mean, I have no idea. I have no idea why God did not say yes to that. All I know is that as long as the sentence of death reigns over us all, that there will be at least one prayer for healing that he will not answer for all of us, right? I mean, there's Absolutely. there's going to come one time. Um, That's, that is a really interesting perspective. No matter what. No matter what. No matter, what, no matter how righteous you are, at some point in your life, God's going to say, no, you're dying. Die. Now, has God caused that? And, and this gets into other podcasts we've done. Did cause? Did God cause, and this is kind of, a little related, did God cause the cancer? Did God cause the sepsis? And the answer there clearly is no. That's not God's will for anybody. No way. Absolutely no way. And I disagree with Christians who would who would suggest that it is. So, so here's what we're left with. I don't think that what has struck your parents is from God. I don't think that God 
uh, answered or didn't answer because of the level of faith you had or whatever. Um, I, I simply do not know. I have no idea. I have no idea why Seth has Down syndrome. I have no idea. You know, I don't think God was up there saying like, because people will say this to us, like, hey, man, he only trusts really great parents with these special kids. I'm like, "Mm, uh, well, or do these special kids make us into really great parents? I think that's the far more likely scenario, right? That's obvious. (laughs) Yeah, that is obvious. So, So the clues for me are God does not cause this. God is not behind this. God will make everything beautiful. The prayers and cries of your heart are already answered in the future. No question about it, right? The full restoration of your mom to life, the full restoration of your dad to health, the wiping away of all tears, all of that is promised. In the meantime, though, death is still the last enemy. And even though Christ has conquered death, we still are under the curse of death. And um, and so we go through this horrible process. Why it is that I could have the power to save Nate's friend and don't? Um, the, the only the only thing I could think of in that scenario is there are other factors at play than just my will. Like right. there are other things happening. Uh, God's respect for freedom, uh, the the fact that the demonic is real, the fact that I, I don't think God intended people to. Uh, have their bodies turn against them, either in sepsis or in cancer. I just think they're, the thing is shrouded in mystery. And I hate that, but that's the only answer I've learned to give. And the only response I've learned to give then is one of lament and one of silence and one of just standing in the face of those questions. And so I think it is a very, though it feels like you are wandering a bit from faith. I would say you're wandering in faith. And there's a huge difference between wandering from faith and wandering in faith. From faith means, hey, dude, I'm done. This thing didn't work for me. I'm out. Wandering in faith is, okay, God, where are you? Like, that's a conversation with God. That's that's presupposing the truthfulness of the whole story. Because if we didn't believe the story, then we wouldn't be faced with this tension. Right. Right. So it's it's actually a testimony to your faith that you're sitting wondering if this is bunk and you're in great company in the Psalms. So my brother, I'm sorry, you know, that's 30 minutes of, of talking to say, here's some clues, but ultimately I don't know. I absolutely do not know. Nobody knows. All we know is it's mysterious and that I think that at the core of our fear about prayer is, is do we really think that God is good? Like, like not just like theologically, not singing, oh, you're a good, good father. I know you are. Or what, what is it? A good, good father. I know you are. It's who you are. Oh, it's who you are. It's who you are. Yeah. Who believes that? Nobody believes that. Nobody believes that. The songwriter did. No, no. Because <laughs> it made him a lot of money. Well, if that whoa yeah. whoa is this on the air oh shoot <laughs> no i think so in the i don't know yeah i think in a in a in a way there's beauty in that because the increasing call to relationship right i mean it's like i don't know so yeah like you said you have two choices you can yep. walk away and yep. just say screw this i'm done or Wrestle. you can stay in relationship whether it's wandering or going after like crazy but to stay in there's beauty in that 
But I'm not throwing the all things work together for the good <laughs> of those who love him verse in there like like people might. But I think there's beauty in that relationship and and the I don't know what is going to happen or the result. I don't know, but I think there's beauty there. So that, I think that's a it's a hard thing to wrestle with, but Oh, it is. It's the worst. But in any relationship that is committed to each other, it, 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 I think there's beauty. I'm trying to learn that God is trustworthy. Yeah. And then this crap happens. Right. How can I believe he's trustworthy? All the time it happens. All the time. I mean, death is everywhere. Think about, think about, I mean, I wonder how, what the percentage is of answered prayer versus, I guess all prayer is answered. So I don't mean that. Um, in the way we want. In the way we the want. The way that we ask. Yeah, do you remember, what, who was it? Was it Jim Carrey? Who was God or who? Yeah, yeah Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty. <laughs> Remember when he hits yes on all of the prayer <laughs> yes. requests? Everybody wins the lottery and they win like a, 31 a cents. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's Corvettes or something or oh. Ferraris. I forget what it was. Yeah. It, it, and so you, you have this incredible, mysterious thing, but that is needed for relationship, right? Yeah. If it were, if it were a formula, as some of the prosperity teachers try to make it, um, you take all relationship out of it, right? I just have enough faith. God automatically gives me what I want. This is far messier. That doesn't work. Well, I've tried. I have been praying for a Ferrari (laughs) and a private jet because because I thought that it would happen. Nice. uh, I've been praying for hair. And uh, God answered that prayer. So why? <laughs> he just didn't put it on my head. I should have specified well, exactly where I wanted it. Her nose and her ears instead. <laughs> it's like, oh, sweet, thanks. Um, all right, I don't. We don't have time for the second one. The second one. Oh my lord! Is there a short one? We got like a few minutes. Well, it's thirty-seven. No, I think I this is know. probably pretty pretty late. That's a long question. So the, yeah, and and it's it's sincerely about. Um, th- this is, this is the last line. I know it's foolish to ask a pastor for help rejecting God, but I just don't know how else to move forward or heal. Wow. Right. Yeah. Huh. I, so that's the next podcast. Uh, and le- well, it, let's see how this Kavanaugh thing goes. So we're recording on the day that he's going to testify and his accuser is going to testify. And then you've got three other people that have come forward, one anonymously, I think two named, and then some other witnesses that have put forward affidavits, but the lawyer seems scummy and it, this seems politically oh. motivated. And, and you're sitting there going, okay, so the Me Too movement has been beautiful in the following respect. It is it has woken us up for the privilege, like myself, to the reality that this is so much more common than I'd ever imagined. And it forces introspection in terms of, oh my goodness, I wonder if I've ever made anyone uncomfortable or whatever, right? I mean, it's this, it's, it's, I, I bless this cultural movement uh, because the truth will set us free, right? Before reconciliation, before repair, before repentance, there has to be the, the, the speaking of truth. So I am all for the speaking of truth. The hard part is it's now become politicized and now everyone's got their political opinions wrapped up into this thing. And so, so I, you know, if, if something doesn't happen there or something else crazy doesn't happen, that, that will be our next topic. Cause literally this person talks about um, the mental illness that this person has felt and experienced because of the idea of hell. That God will torture people for eternity if if uh, they don't believe. Oh man, him. we've been there before. Hell, oh we're yes, it's called winter in Columbus. 
<laughs> I thought you just called it Ohio in general. No, I tell you, the, uh, summer was okay. And summer. fall, this is a beautiful fall day. Yes. Hold on, let's talk about it. Let's talk about let's the weather for a second. Weather. Yesterday was amazing. The yesterday was amazing. Although it's so cloudy. It is cloudy. Uh, like I'm getting tired a of cloudy. Of, a lot of rain, which isn't mm -hmm. normal. Um, anyway, so so that's what we got on tap next week. If, if something else doesn't hijack it, just like something hijacked our <laughs> preview there. All right, my brothers and sisters, thank you. To all of those who like and subscribe, who leave a review, all of that helps uh, keep uh, us in front of uh, iTunes and help us helps other listeners find us. We're so grateful for that. Thank you for the incredible questions, the great feedback. Thank you for those of you that support us on Patreon financially. That is such a, a big deal. I can't even begin to tell you how big a deal that is. But until next time, my friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you, and in these days, may he give you peace. Till next time, my friends, we're out. <laughs>